Welcome. Please stand with us. We are in the second week of Advent, and we're talking about peace. Today we're going to light the peace candle. And uh, I wanted to drive home two ideas for peace. The first uh, idea, you know, when Jesus talks about it, it's like, fear not. For in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. So the idea of the hope that the Lord gives us allows us to rest in times of turmoil, times of loss, times of difficulty, and that brings us that sense of peace. And I pray that if you don't know that, that the Lord would make it rest in your heart, that he would bring it home to your heart. And then the second idea of peace being, um, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. And he calls us to walk in truth. And the idea of just walking in truth provides a sense of peace because you're with the truth. And, and when you're there, it's kind of like uh, when Paul says, you know, after you've done everything to stand, then stand. So after you've done everything that you can to walk in truth, there's peace there because you realize that now everything's out of my control and I have to rest in the Lord. And so... Those two, two sides of peace, two ideas of peace. Um, so with that, we'll uh, begin. Father, thank you so much for today. We ask that you would teach us about your peace. Um, Father, especially if we are unaware of it, or we don't understand it, or if it eludes us. Father, may we grow to understand how it is that you are in control, how you are sovereign in our conditions um, that uh, seem to govern our lives. And Lord, uh, help us to do the best that we can, Father, to walk in truth so that your peace can rest in our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. We three kings of old Bearing gifts, we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. 
Father, may we grow to understand your presence in our lives. And Father, may we just be a presence, your presence for other people in their world, Father, that they live in. May we be your hands and your feet, Father. And may we be the voice that tells of the good news, that tells of the hope that we have in you and the peace that can be found through you. We pray this in your name. Awesome. You guys can be seated. And we're going to have the, uh, the second Advent reading. Hi, we're, good morning. We're the Buron family. I'm Shelby, and this is my son Chase, and this is my husband Rao, and we're doing the Advent reading for this week uh, of peace. Um, I am reading from the Bible, chapter 2, verse 15 through 21. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. All right, if we have the children, if you guys, are, if you're under the age of s- s- 10, if you're under the age of 35, you can come on up here, and then you can sit on these stairs. Come on up. Taylor, come on. Come sit up here. Graham, no? You guys want to come up? Yeah, come on up here. Yeah, come on. You guys want to come sit here? No, you're going to stay right there? It's a good seat. But you can sit here. All right. Willie, you're going to stay there? Yeah? Okay. All right, you can stay there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we saw Taylor already. It's all right. You guys can stay there. Dan, you want to come sit up here with us? All right. Yeah, come on up. Dan's a big kid. Totally a big kid. Now, last week, we got to meet Ranger. Ranger. Ranger Randy. Ran- Ranger Randy. And he's here again today. So come on in. Yeah. Did you click your uh, your microphone on there, Ranger Randy? But how about now? There we go. Uh, All right. Much, much better. Yeah, nice looking group of kids. I don't know about this big one on the right, but uh, it, it's nice having you anyway here. <laughs> So, I'm sure you guys remember that last week, we lit the first candle of Advent, and that was the candle of hope. But do you remember that Holly gave you all a little homework? Jingle bells, jingle bells. Well, hey, Teddy, how are you this morning? Hey, that way, Angel Andy. So nice to see you. I was uh, just going to ask these kids about what they... Uh, learned about oh, hope. what a but, coincidence. Uh, you know what, since you're there, go ahead and tell us what you found out. Yeah, well, I realize that maybe I'm hoping for too much, because if I don't get everything I want, I know I'll be disappointed. So maybe the secret to Christmas is to have really low expectations? Huh. Well, I'm not sure if that's really the secret to Christmas or not. Uh, what do you kids think? Huh? No, I don't think so. Can you help Teddy understand a little bit about Christmas? <coughs> what, what is it about hope that uh, we want to be thinking about here at Christmas? Does anyone have anything to say about hope? What all, what all did you guys do for your assignment this week? Remember we were talking about hope. Did anybody do any hope hope assignment? Adults too? Did you guys do any hope homework out there? Anyone? Well, you guys are a, a sorry lot of students. Yeah. The, the, the adults are the, supposed to be leading the way. Oh, fantastic. Here we go. We're supposed to put our hope in Jesus. Oh, very good. How do we make that? Does, does anybody have any examples of hope? How you moved into hope this week? With someone for yourself? Anyone? We're a sorry bunch. We're a sorry bunch. Help us out there, Ranger. I don't know what to say. Well, you know what? I asked the pastor in the first service if he had any good insight, and he couldn't even help us. So, maybe, hey, Grandpa Guthrie, how are you? Randy, I'm so glad I could make it. Well, we're glad to see you. I would have come sooner, but I forgot my... uh, I forgot my... Did did you forget your keys? Oh, what? What did you say? Did you forget your cell phone? Uh, huh? What? Did did you forget your hearing aid? Uh, Oh, wait, I got it, I got it. I'll be right back. 
big grandpa. Those stairs are kind of steep, aren't they, Grandpa? Oh, what, what have we got here, Grandpa? It's a gift for you. Oh, man. Isn't this nice? This is a picture of Grandpa Guthrie's good old dog, Jackson. Jackson, oh! Yeah, unfortunately, Jackson died. And that's been kind of hard on you, hasn't it, Grandpa? No. I miss old Jackson. I miss him so much, and my heart hurts, but I know he is in that great kennel in the sky, and I am at peace. Well, you are at peace. Well, Grandpa, you've been around the block a few times. Maybe you can tell us what you think about peace here at Christmas time. Well, gosh, your dog died? Yeah. I was hoping for some Aunt Jordans for Christmas, but... You lost your best friend. That makes me feel sad and strange. Mm-hmm. Like, like I shouldn't even be wanting anything. Oh, now, son. Don't feel bad about like that. Like mm. I said, I'm at peace. This is just a part of life. And, and I have hope that God has better plans for old Jackson and that that mm. hope brings me peace in times of loss yeah. and in times of trouble. Hmm. Well... I don't, I don't feel at peace right now. Well, Teddy, what seems hmm. to be troubling you this morning? Well, yeah, yeah well, you can tell it, us. It's kind of embarrassing. It's kind it of out, embarrassing son. to talk Spit about. It out. <laughs> okay, here's the scoop. I was playing with my brother's remote control car, which I shouldn't have been doing, and I crashed it. Like I crashed mine and it broke and then I didn't tell anybody. And then when my brother went to play with it, it didn't work and then he asked me if I'd been playing with his car and I said no, which wasn't true and now I feel guilty. Oh, I remember one time when I was a kid growing up on the farm, Yeah. I decided to try to drive the tractor all by myself. Well, my pa told me not to and well, I ran into a tree. And I bit the plow. (laughs) Gosh, what did you do? Well, I lied. When my pa asked me if I knew anything about it, I said I did not. Then I felt just plain old guilty. Well, then what happened after that? Oh, well, (laughs) I realized that if I didn't want to feel guilty anymore... Then I had to tell the truth. So I told him the truth. What? You you told the truth? What'd you do after that? Well, believe it or not, he laughed and told me about the time he'd done something similar. But then once I told the truth, my dad forgave me. And we was okay with one another. (laughs) Oh, of course, I still had to pay for the plow, though, which was okay in the end. I got it paid off when I was about mm, 42. Four, 42, that's, a, that's yeah. a lot of payments, Grandpa Guthrie. Five dollars a plow. week. Yeah, five bucks a week. Uh-huh. Well, Grandpa Guthrie, I'm so happy you told us that story, but it just amazes me how telling the truth helps you be at peace. Hmm. Wait, did you mm-hmm. just say telling the truth brings us peace? Yes. Well, what if I tell my brother the truth, but he stays mad at me? Well, Teddy, I'll tell you. At least the truth then is out there. And that's always better. And and you'll be at peace. I was worried about the same thing with my pa and what he might do to me. But it all worked out okay. Well... You know, Grandpa Guthrie, Teddy, this has been a nice discussion this morning. And I think I've learned two things. First off, I've learned that we, when we have hope in Jesus, that'll give us peace, even mm-hmm. in really troubling times. That's right. And mm-hmm. second is Jesus wants to, us to walk in hope and truth, and that will give us peace. Hmm. So... You know, Teddy's kind of struggling with this as to what he should do. So you kids, 
regardless of your age, gives Teddy a little bit of advice. Would you, would you tell the truth about your remote control car? You would tell the truth? Yeah, you'd, you'd have the courage to tell the truth, but not to do the mic. Yeah, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> what do you think oh. Teddy should do? Tell the truth. You think she should tell the truth? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I do too. So, Teddy, I hope that as we go through the week, this next week, that you have the courage to tell the truth. And I hope you come back and tell us that you had that much courage. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks Wayne and Wendy. And Grandpa Guthrie, mm -hmm. I am so thankful that you shared your picture of your good old dog Jackson. Jackson. Ooh. And it's a reminder that even in the most difficult times that That's we can right. have peace in Jesus. So That's thank right. you for that. Yeah, thanks Grandpa Guthrie for sharing your story with me today. Oh, yeah. story! Story? Did you want to hear another story? Uh, well, no, I, I got a great well, one. I, That's a doozy. I remember one time I, I, I was Grandpa, a boy, I, I, and I, I was outside, and I, I was Grandpa picking Guthrie. rat weeds, and suddenly oh. I found myself staring okay. down the gullet you, of a rat You kids, bar. Grandpa Guthrie is going to go on for a while, so I think you better Grand go to Sunday school. because Let's get you home, Grandpa. Half an hour, what? half a day. What? Merry Christmas. I'm not sure who's funnier, kids or one of our elders. Okay, before we uh, start today, <clears throat> a bunch of things you need to be aware of coming up. This week is the uh, Shabby Chic Boutique. That's this week. That's inside on the back page down at the bottom. Not this week, but next week, we have the Holiday Festival. How many of you have been to the Holiday Festival in the past? When you have restaurants, Santa Claus here, that kind of stuff? Any of you been here? Okay, just a few of you have. We, we uh, took that on from the town of Dillon. We started partnering with them. They tried to do it on their own for many years. We said, why don't you let us host it and help? And so we started hosting it. And uh, we have hundreds, you know, pre-pandemic. We didn't do it during the pandemic, but we've had hundreds and hundreds of people here, most of which that don't go to church. This is their first time to come. And we have Santa Claus and, Miss, and Mr. and Mrs. Santa over there. We have uh, restaurants bring food, and we have uh, Hazel Miller. She does a concert here. And it's just a very enjoyable time. Uh, yes, I have a cold. Sorry, you have to endure with me today. Anyway, it's fun to come to. You'll meet a lot of people in the community that don't come to church. They don't go really anywhere, and they come here for the first time. Then we have on the December 18th, Sunday in the evening, afternoon and evening, the Summit Choral Society Messiah Sing-Along. We do that every year at 3 p.m., you're invited to that. Come sing with us. And then at 5 p.m., we're going to do a carol sing-along outside. We have our own sing-along. And so bring cold, uh, cold weather coats, and we'll stay warm. And the Christmas Eve services are 4 and 6, just like always in the past. Okay. Last week, I asked you to imagine what it was like during the uh, dark times. Let's go ahead and put Isaiah 9-2 up there. Because we read that. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We're going to see this again in the New Testament. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The, it was a very, very dark world. Superstitious. They didn't have science. They couldn't understand the, all the things that were going on. And it was all about the gods and so, that sort of thing. And so it was a very dark world. And that's how... Isaiah saw it. So he's writing when the northern kingdom is being annihilated and he's living in the southern kingdom and warning them not to go down the same road, of course, which what they did. So it was a very dark world. And he says in there, in the middle of that, that a light has come. John says a light was coming into the world. John tells us a light has come. So they're looking forward. They're really looking forward to the advent of this Davidic king, this Messiah. Somewhere down the future, in the future, this king is going to come and make everything right. That was their advent. And so in the middle of that comes Jesus. The answer to all the prophecies. 
but he didn't put everything right. He fixed core things like our salvation. He took care of that. The institution of the new covenant, giving us the spirit, blessing us, but he didn't break the rule of the Romans. And so all of a sudden we live in a world where we're also looking forward to something different, a second advent, if you will, a second appearing of this Messiah. We talked last week about the reason why we light these candles is to remind us, to symbolize that, that the light who came into this dark world was the Messiah, Jesus, and we become reflections of Jesus. So this light actually grows throughout the uh, season. So we add more and more candles to it. That's because the light is growing. Jesus, when he gave the parables of the kingdom, one of the parables was about a mustard seed that grows into this very large plant. And the kingdom is growing, and it's growing even today. In fact, if you look in Africa, you look in Asia, you look in Korea, the Christian church is just exploding in those countries and growing. That light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. If you ever wondered how 12 disciples uh, turned the world upside down, it's because of the Holy Spirit. They began to teach people how to love others. Because Isaiah's dream, which is really God's dream, I believe, Isaiah's dream was to have a people who, a people group who would love the Lord freely. That required that we have the Spirit of God. We would love the Lord freely, and then we would begin to reach out and do, share with others, become an expression of who Jesus is. And that's captured by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, thankfulness, self-control. That we begin to demonstrate that and live it out in our lives while we're helping the poor, and that becomes the light in the world. And so the light is spreading. I just read recently that the last uh, survey done uh, by Gallup, I think it was, that uh, Christianity has been on a long decline, took its first uptick. I don't know why. don't know what to do with that. I'm just excited that it did. You know, maybe people, because of the pandemic and all of the fracture, are some people are looking to their faith again, trying to figure out the world. So the candles symbolize the spreading light, which we represent as a church. And so our Advent is looking forward to something very different. Their Advent was looking forward to the coming Messiah. Our Advent is looking for the second coming Messiah because we have a lot of things that need to get repaired. We have more things to get healed, if you will. You ever dream? You ever think about Maybe I should say it this way. Can you imagine a world at peace? Just pause for a moment. No conflict in the world. There's wars going on all over the world right now. Just imagine, just for a moment, a world with no conflict, a world with no wars. Countries all work together. They're healed of their wounds. Within the country, the, the people in leadership listen to the people. Work together to produce goodness. Wow. And our marriages, no conflict at all. We just put each other first. We sacrifice for each other. That's peace. That's peace. It's hard for us to even imagine it, much less long for it. Because our fallen nature, we're more at home with our sin nature than we are with something in the future. Even though that is our reality. You see, the future is our reality. That's why it takes faith, because it's hard for us to imagine that takes faith to really live into that and say, we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to represent peace in our little part of the world right here. We're going to be the ones that set aside tension, set aside disagreements. I've said many times, I'm not going to ask you to violate your theological convictions, but I am going to ask you to sacrifice for the sake of unity and relationship so that our testimony 
in this world is very strong and loving. Can you picture that? That's what we're waiting for. That's what our Advent is. You see, our Advent is about um, a coming Messiah. This was part of Isaiah's dream. Back to chapter 9, verse 6. These are very famous words to you. You've heard them many times, so therefore don't just skip over them. Let them soak in. Let them soak in. Because this is coming in a time when it's really dark. The world is dark. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Okay, pause. What kind of God do we have that would entrust all of redemptive history to a baby? And not only a baby, but a teenager who's going to give birth to the baby. And not just a teenager, but a father. You see, this baby's going to need some good training. It's going to need training in the law. It's going to need to be taught faith. That's why Hebrews says it's necessary for him to learn obedience. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus had to learn obedience. That's confidence. I mean, we all know what teenage girls are like, right? They're wonderful. I love our teenage girls. I think they're just outstanding. But to entrust the Messiah to a teenage girl, that's confidence, isn't it? Yeah, I'm looking at all you you teenage girls. That's confidence. That's the type of confidence we should have in this younger generation. If God can have it, so can we, okay? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There it is. He's bringing peace. What kind of peace? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is what's hard for us to imagine. This kind of government. I I know, because I've talked to so many of you, all of us, all of us have a question mark all the time. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter who's in charge. There's always a question about authenticity, ideologies. What are they really after? What's motivating, what's motivating them? We always have that question. What would it be like not to have that question anymore? What does Proverbs say? When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be so wonderful. But he goes on. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forevermore. You see, Advent is, we saw last week, it is about bringing hope into our world, but it's more than that. It's about bringing peace to our world as well. It's just not the way we envisioned it. Because they envisioned the Messiah would come and just take care of everything. Well, what he did is he came and he created, and he gave his body to create a new body. And that's what communion is about. That new body is a temple, a spiritual temple. You see, the glory of God never came back to the physical temple in Jerusalem. It never did. The glory came when Jesus came, when he walked into the temple. That's when the glory returned. And so the glory returned to the temple, but it's a different temple. It's a spiritual temple. And that's what Ephesians is all about, is that we are that spiritual temple. And so the original temple was designed to reflect God's glory to a lost world. It was designed to attract the nations. It was so wonderful. That's why Solomon could pray in his prayer of dedication at the temple, when the foreigner comes, and because they hear of your great name, and they will indeed hear of it, he said, then listen to their prayers and answer them so that they will know that you are the one true God. You see, God blesses a nation because he wants them to bless other nations. That's a real simple principle all throughout there. You read every prophet, and guess what they didn't do? They didn't fulfill that. Here's what they said to the other nations. You're not like us. Stay out. We're putting up a wall. Okay, now don't read politics into that. Okay? I have no problem with a wall or no wall. I have no problem with how we decide to bring people into our country. I don't ever want to belong to a country that says you're not welcome. Because that was the number one reason every prophet brought up that they got, that uh, the northern kingdom got destroyed and the southern kingdom got deported because they refuse to do what God wanted. You see, we are being blessed as a nation so that people will come to us. 
other nations, Paul says that they're led by demons. Every other religion is demonic worship. And so, they, so if he's going to bless us, we want them to come. How they decide to make that happen is so far above my pay grade. I don't waste any time thinking about it. But I don't ever want to be a nation that says you're not welcome. Stay out. You're not like us. Because that's what Israel did. And, it, and they lost everything because of it. They lost everything. The northern kingdom ceased to exist. Their identity is no longer around at all. So Advent is about us bringing peace to the world as a church, as individuals, and as a nation. That is our responsibility to bring peace. But not the peace that you're thinking of. Yeah, it is. It does involve peace between countries, within countries, et cetera, et cetera. It does involve resolving conflict, helping to do that. I get all that, but there's a much deeper meaning to it. That raises the question of what actually is peace? Well, peace, is, it starts as an internal tranquility or wholeness. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. You've all heard that word before, shalom. Shalom is concerned about the entire person, every aspect of a person's whole being, Okay. In other words, you can rest. You can rest in confidence and sleep well at nighttime. And all of you, at some time or other in life, have tasted it just for a moment. Just for a moment. Pressures of the world. The things of this world grow strangely dim. We sang that last Sunday. Okay? You've all tasted it here and there. We don't get it all the time. But when you do get it, it's sweet and wonderful, isn't it? Sometimes Nancy and I in our marriage, we look at each other and we think, how could it ever go awry or backwards? And then she messes up and it does. So. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. It's that ebb and flow. We're looking forward to the day when it's all that way. But we have a taste of it today because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Okay? How did it come about by the way, this concept of peace is pervasive to the entire scriptures. You just Google peace in the Bible. You got thousands of references to take a look at. It's all through the Bible. It's interwoven into our very theology that we should be peacemakers. Okay? So when you look at Ephesians 2, how did it come about? Ephesians is a fantastic book. It's where the Jews and Gentiles are doing this, which was part of the ancient world the first century world. And so Paul is navigating between these two and helping them understand theologically why they're like this instead of like this. So in Ephesians 2, starting in verse uh, 13 or verse 12, remember that at that time, you Gentiles were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. That's what I'm talking about. You're not like us. Stay out. That was a message to the Gentiles. Around the temple proper, they had a wall with a sign that we found several of them now. Uh, Gentiles, stay out at the risk of your life, risk of death. You're not welcome here, okay? No wonder Jesus got angry when they set up all the, temple, all the, the tables to make money in the court of the Gentiles. That was the only place they were allowed to come to worship this Israel's God. And they filled that place as a marketplace. No wonder he got angry. They weren't allowed in. So Paul's talking about that. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. They shouldn't have been foreigners. Israel should have been doing this. Come, 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 come. We want you to learn about this God. Come. This God who blesses people. He's full of tender mercies. He loves you. Come on, come. And they're like this. Stay out. Foreigners, to the covenants of promise, you were without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, here's the first advent. You who once were far away, you Gentiles, who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he, he is our peace. Not Republicans, not Democrats, Jesus. He is our peace. Who has made the two groups, Gentiles and Jews, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility that's the word used to describe that balustrade around the temple. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, that's what kept them apart. You're not keeping the law. Stay out. You're not willing to be circumcised. You're not welcome. 
that kind of stuff. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, there's only one body in the church. We're a local fellowship, but there's only one body. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. There is no government that is ever, ever, ever going to bring about true reconciliation. It is not possible without the cross. There it is right there. To reconcile these two estranged groups through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, their enmity, their hatred for one another. He came and preached peace to those who were far away. That's us. We're Gentiles. And peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to God the Father by one spirit. You see, peace was brought about because of Christ. That's why we are ambassadors and that's why we're given the ministry of reconciliation. We are the only ones that can bring about true reconciliation and it comes through faith in Christ. He goes on and adds a little bit more in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, this little baby. We just read about. All of his fullness dwelled in this little baby. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Making peace. Whether in heaven or on earth. Now think about the Lord's prayer. What's the Lord's prayer? How many of you know it by heart? Say it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. You see, the true kingdom is there. And what happens in the final days is that the kingdom in heaven comes down to us. We're never pictured as going to heaven. It's always pictured as coming to us. God makes a decision to come live with us. Earth is our domain. Heaven is God's domain. And so Jesus is praying, what's happening with God needs to happen here on the earth. And that's his prayer. And so when you look in the Revelation, it's the new heaven and the new earth. They've come together on the earth. God chooses to come live with us. Peace through his blood, not through negotiation, not through armament, okay? We need all that in a fallen world. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should abandon it. But true peace comes because of the shed blood of Christ. That's where it comes. And that's where the light comes back into play is because that's what we share, okay? I can't negotiate what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, but I can sure bring peace to my neighbors out here who I love by telling them about Jesus. That's where that internal peace starts. So now this allows us to understand many of Jesus' teachings. For example, let's go back to Luke, which is, uh, thanks for reading it this morning. Chase isn't here, but he read part of that. So back to Luke, when we get to the story, this is John the Baptist's father talking about his son. This is Zechariah talking about his son, John the Baptist. Verse 76, and you, my child, John the Baptist, will be called a prophet of the Most High. Malachi, the last prophet to close the books of the Old Testament, prophesied a new prophet was coming in the spirit of Elijah. And that's John the Baptist. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Okay? Your sins are forgiven on the cross. That's what the cross does. And that's what allows us to have this incredible salvation. It's the cross. Because of the tender mercy of our God. You think of God as tender? You know, when you read the Bible, especially when you read the Old Testament, if you don't read it well, you don't read it carefully, you walk away with a God who's pretty vengeful. Don't you? He's always striking people dead. Remember when we started Leviticus last year? Remember that? We talked about it in terms of a blueprint. What was the other metaphor that we used? 
It's a love story. Leviticus is an invitation. How does it start out? When any of you decide that you want to offer a sacrifice, here's how you do it. It's not a command. It's an invitation to come. When you sin, don't worry. Here's how you offer a sacrifice to make it right. It's a, it's a book that lowers all the anxiety of the ancient world. It's an invitation into a relationship with a tender, tender-hearted God of mercy. When we get past the new year, we're going to look at the uh, eight minor prophets that went to the southern kingdom. Because the eight minor prophets, they're filled with harsh language. They really are. But when you line up back to back to back, you know what you have? You have a panorama of an incredibly merciful God. Because over hundreds of years, he never gave up. Every prophet had a different voice and a different message. And in the middle of those messages, he had words for the remnant, the faithful. So you look in uh, Lamentations, for example, he's describing Jerusalem at the end of time, the end of their time. The Babylonians have surrounded them. The walls are about to collapse. They're days, if not hours, away from becoming Babylonian prisoners. Okay? It's a terrible, terrible scene. They're so hungry, they're eating the dead. All right? And right in the middle of that is that wonderful little verse, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's where our song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, comes from. Is that right in the middle of this horrible scene, I don't know what it was like for Jeremiah and the remnant. There were only a few, but that verse was written to them. The rest of it is written to the wicked people. So if you're not careful, if you're not discriminating, the Old Testament looks like a very judgmental testament. We're going, oh boy, I'm glad we're in the New Testament. No, God is just as gracious back then as he is today. If he's a God of wrath in the Old Testament and a God of grace in the New Testament, that just makes him bipolar. He's always gracious toward the faithful. He's always after the wicked. So when you discriminate, you begin to see that pattern emerge. Here it is. Because of the tender mercy of our God, he just talked about we've been given forgiveness through the cross. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. This is Isaiah 9. This is the fulfillment of that dream to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way or the path of peace. This is why we exist. This is what our Advent is all about. We can't wait for the Lord to come back and take care of all the corruption and greed. But in the meantime, we have a role to play. I am so excited I think I read that uh, a couple years back we had more missionaries coming into the U.S. and going out. Yes. Not only do we need it, but it shows that, that we were very instrumental as a world power in sending Christianity out. Because every country I go to has growing Christian population now all over the world. And Jesus predicted that with the parable. It starts like a little seed and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the way you change culture. You don't change it through rebellion or protest. You don't even change it through policy. They're necessary. You change it with Christians living lives like Christians. And we begin to teach people what true love, what true joy is all about. What does it mean to be peaceful, to resolve conflict? Well, um, the angels announced his peace. Luke 2, 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It doesn't say peace to everybody. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is not a judgmental verse because peace comes to those who believe in Jesus. And so this is a statement of that. Those who have turned to the Lord will begin to experience peace. That's what that means. That's you. So if you're struggling with a lot of anxiety, it just means you're just a little too far away from the Lord. That's all it means. Continue to draw closer. Continue to draw closer. Continue to stay with your friends and you'll experience more and more of the peace because that's part of the gift that the Lord brings us. If your anxiety is really high, that's a check. 
It's a checkpoint that you're just a little too far away. Well, now you can understand Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called children of God. Remember the Beatitudes, the whole list of Beatitudes? Jesus took all of the values that were not regarded as important in culture and raised them to the top. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. See, in the ancient world, strength was what people valued. It's kind of true in today, too. Now, what does he say? Blessed are the peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers. And then we get the privilege of being called children of God. Then he says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It really is. One of the things Nancy and I do in our conversations with each other is when one of us is under tension, in six months from today, will this be a tension? Will it be a a stress point? Probably not. Then why are we worried about it today? That's why Jesus said, worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just today. It's going to be gone tomorrow. Whatever's bringing you stress today, you probably won't even remember it in six months. That's how unimportant it really is within the grand scheme of life. So Paul concludes in Romans 5, the first two verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, the result is that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and boast in the hope of the glory of God talked to you several times about grace. The real fruit isn't grace. Every Christian gets grace. Doesn't matter how far away, how much anxiety, what level of sin you're in, everybody gets grace. That's a product of the cross. Don't confuse grace with joy. Joy is part of the fruit, and the fruit comes from faithful living. So when you decide to live faithful lives, then you begin to experience joy. Well, guess what? The very next word is peace, shalom. Same is true. You get grace all the time. That's a product of the cross. Peace is a product of living a faithful life, walking by the Spirit. You want to enjoy that peace? Walk by the Spirit. Patience? You don't have to pray for patience. Just walk by the Spirit. And you begin to experience patience. Kindness. You want to be a more kind person? Okay? Start walking closer to the Spirit. And you naturally become a kind person. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness? Oh, you want to be a good person? A good person? A gentle person? A thankful person? You don't have to fabricate any of that. All you do, it's real easy, is walk by the Spirit. And that's the gift. That's where it comes. That's what brings peace. Our Advent is looking, longing for the return of Christ so that all these things become reality for us every second of every day, not intermittent. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for sending your son the first time to forgive our sins, to send us your spirit so that we can begin to taste this wonderful fruit, this blessing that you have for us. Um, But Father, even more important than that, help us. Help us to be a church that, like these candles, is light in a dark world. Our friends and neighbors so desperately want what we have and uh, we can show them where to find it. Help us, Lord, to be effective in that way. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.